Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. They're, they're pushing that transgender stuff and they lose money. Um, serves them right, that's what they get. They, they're committing um, economic suicide by doing things like that because the majority of people don't believe that. So uh, it's insane. And, and, and think about the wokeness as far as now you can't stare at people. You have to have a written consent or something to stare at them. These people lost their minds, man. Of course, that's Romans 1. I'm a little uh, hoarse today. Um, I, my allergies are killing me. I'm not sick or anything. It's just sometimes uh, my voice goes because of the air. It's not like we have the greatest air here. So um, I'm struggling with that today. But anyway... Um, Today, 11 years ago, we started Rock Harbor in uh, Stockdale High School, and uh, we're celebrating our 11th anniversary. We started with nothing. We started with a group of people, and uh, here we are today, and it's been a long journey, um, and we've reached this leg of the journey, and now we have a lot of exciting things still ahead in the rest of the journey, as we're getting our building built, and... uh, already making plans for this, you know, for this, having a school and, and our internet uh, reaches uh, far and beyond now and, and even local. So um, a lot of, a lot, a lot has happened. The Lord's done a lot of uh, things for us. And I can tell you uh, the, the thing I learned through all of this is if he calls you to do something, just step out and do it. He won't give you the stuff, the money, the resources beforehand. He'll give it once you step out. And that's the big lesson I learned about this. And so we started with a big zero um, and uh, had no money and somehow we had it and here we are. And now we have a $2.4 million budget and um, the Lord's provided all the way and he's providing for our buildings and and everything else. So... um, Thank you guys uh, for always being here, so, especially the ones that started back in Stockdale. It was a lot of work. We had to set up things, tear things down. We finally got to here where we didn't have to do that, but um, we still got a lot of different types of works ahead. So it's to be celebrated, but we press on because there's more to do and the time is short. So uh, we got to make, uh, we gotta make um, a lot up for for how quickly things are happening. And so um, our pace here at Rock Harbor is very fast. We're doing a lot of things, expanding and doing uh, all kinds of different ministries. And so um, um, we hope that you get on board on all that and, and get involved in that. I mean, we're, we go out and you know, pray uh, at the, you know, the, the abortion centers, the abortion mills, uh, doing a lot of things locally. We're now in Valley Plaza handing out Bibles um, we got a, a thing there through Frank to be able to set up a table and, and we're passing Bibles out every Saturday. So we're doing a lot of stuff that churches now are not, not doing anymore. They're not, they're not evangelizing. They're not doing anything. So we, we, we're here until the end and we're going to try to get as many on that rescue boat as possible. So anyway, um, Let's turn to our, uh, our scriptures today, and we're going to be in Daniel 7. And again, like I mentioned before, Daniel 7 is a long chapter, and it has a lot of information in there. And so what we're going to look at today is uh, the Antichrist's future persecution of Israel. And there's a lot to be said in this chapter. I'll bring in a lot of information from Revelation. But um, one of the things you want to uh, uh, take away from this is that there is a reason why the world hates the Jews. There's a reason why there's anti-Semitism. There's a reason why even in the church you'll see anti-Semitism with replacement theology. And it has to do with God picking a nation, the nation of Israel, and making them his treasure. And his plan was to use them to reach the world, which they will do in the, in the future in the Messianic kingdom. But because God picked them apart and set them apart, they have a satanic hatred towards them from Satan, fallen angels, demons, and Satan is trying to do everything he can to wipe them out. And so when we talk about this future persecution by the Antichrist, um, what you should understand is 
what Paul mentioned in 2 Thessalonians 2, he says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The coming of the lawless one, that being the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. So what he's trying to say is the lawless one is coming, but lawlessness, his spirit, the satanic spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. And you can see it in in different avenues of, of culture, And I highlight those every Sunday, whether it's transgenderism, the LGBT agenda, critical race theory, all that stuff. But one of the main things, which is the dividing line, is anti-Semitism. Because he hates them with a passion and wants to destroy them. Because here's what you have to understand. In our understanding of the Bible, God has made promises to the nation of Israel. And in order for God to prove that he is faithful, he has to make good on those promises. Because Paul will use Israel as an example. If he's gonna fulfill his promises to Israel, then he will fulfill his promises to us as individuals in the church. So that is predicated on him fulfilling his promises. That's what Paul uses to make his point. And so what God has done is made promises to them that he's not yet fulfilled and he must fulfill because he is trustworthy. Therefore, what Satan is attempting to do is annihilate Israel so that God can't make good on his promises to Israel. And hence, if he can do this, Satan thinks he can get off on a technicality. And the technicality is this, you made promises that you didn't fulfill, so you're a liar. So you can't accuse me of being a liar because you're a liar too. So for you to judge me would be hypocritical. That's really what he's trying to do. The second thing he's trying to do is prevent the second coming. The second coming of the Messiah is predicated on Israel's Israel's acceptance of him. Israel must call out for Jesus to save them. And that that initiates the the second coming where he comes back and rescues them. So there's a lot on the line when you're dealing with Israel. So as good Bible students... You always have to have an eye on Israel, even currently. You have to keep in touch with what's going on there because they are God's timepiece. And what are we seeing right now? Waves of anti-Semitism in the United States and around the world, more than there ever has been. Let me show you a few things. So now you're, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's been these anti-Semitic groups in America. I think one is located in San Francisco and it's called the Goyim Defamation League. Goyim means Gentile in Hebrew. And, and they're throwing packets out of information about Israel and about the Jews in our country and around the world. And they, they toss them out on people's lawns. And so you see these anti-Semitic flyers all over. This is in uh, uh, Melbourne, but it's also happening in the United States. And so let me get, show you an example. So what will happen is, they will throw out and either they have rocks in it or corn or some type of rice or something in the bag to weight it down. And then what they'll put in there is a pamphlet, an anti-Semitic pamphlet. And they've done it all through the United States. They've been doing it this whole last year and around the world. And what they'll do is on every issue that we're dealing with right now, they'll say that the Jews are to blame for it. So in this one, this is a, 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 a popular handout that they're giving to people and they just toss them like a newspaper on their lawns. Um, they're blaming the Jews for COVID. And so as you can see, CDC director, CDC deputy director, chief, chief of staff, they all point out that they're Jewish. And, and, they're, and that's how they're becoming anti-Semitic, saying they're blaming COVID on the Jews. Now, all you have to do is go back to Nazi Germany and you'll see they, they, Hitler blamed the Jews for everything, right? The economy, everything. They were vermin, the rats, you know, as he said. Well, that's what's happening now in America. Now, here's another one. Uh, oh, here's a more clearer one. And you can see it's from GoyimTV.tv um, saying they're satanic, saying blaming them for the, the COVID agenda, and they delist all the Jewish people. They also know BlackRock and Vanguard are the two largest shareholders of both Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline, as well practicing of all the MSM. And they're all just saying, you know, they're all Jewish. So blame the Jews for COVID. That's, that's where they're going with it, okay? Here's another one. 
and this is being put in the packets, that the Jews were responsible for 9-11. That's in the packets as well. Now, it depends on what package you get. Sometimes they blame the Jews for COVID. Sometimes they blame the Jews for 9-11. That is the most asinine thing I could possibly imagine someone even saying and believing, okay? I mean, it's ridiculous. You have to be a nut job to believe this stuff. You really do. And yet people believe this. Christians are so stupid, they believe this. That's how stupid Christians are who are anti-Semitic deep down inside. They actually believe this nonsense. Other thing, this is how the packet arrives on your door. Here's another uh, thing they put in there. Every single aspect of the media is Jewish. So you'll get either, like I said, you can get one of these packets that they put on your doorstep. And so they'll point that out. Uh, Gun control, they'll say every single aspect of gun control is Jewish. So they'll blame the Jews on gun control. It's crazy, man. Here's uh, Here's another one. Every single aspect of mass immigration is Jewish. How? How is that possible? I mean, if anybody knows the news and understands our border, it's not the Jews causing it, it's the Biden administration that's opened the borders. He's not Jewish. But yet they'll blame the border situation on the Jews. Uh, why are the Jews after our guns? They'll blame, they'll blame the, the, the gun heist that, that, peop, that the government wants to take away our guns on the Jews point out Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, Barbara Boxer, Adam Schiff, Dianne Feinstein as being Jewish, and they'll make this, a, a, the gun grab, a Jewish thing. This is in the packets. They'll make abortion a Jewish thing. Every single aspect of abortion is Jewish, they'll say. I don't, I don't, I, I do, do, it's not there. I don't, you know, these people make it up. The problem is low information people out in the culture that don't know anything, they believe this. They believe this nonsense. That's what happened in Germany. They believed it. Uh, Disney, the child grooming. You, you all know about the child grooming at Disney, right? Well, they say it's all Jewish. It's crazy, right? How about this? Antifa is a Jewish communist militia. I mean, you can't get worse than that, man. I mean, this is how bad it is. How about this? Why did the Jews push pornography and degeneracy on our own children? To find out, read Merchants of Sin. Um, this, is not, this is not 1939. This is right now, today, the pamphlets that go out about this. And people are stupid enough to believe it because it's satanic, right? It's very satanic. How about this one? Um, yeah, yeah, I think this is the same one, BlackRock and Vanguard. Uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street are the three largest uh, investing companies in the world. They hold the majority of wealth pretty much in the world, but they say they're all Jewish. You know, So the Jews control the money. It's the old thing. The Jews control all the money, right? Same thing. Anyway, I show you that so you can see the anti-Semitism in America is at an all-time high, by the way, according to the Anti-Defamation League. And I'm, not that the Anti-Defamation League is anyone to look to, because they're liberal, but they do report on, accurately on anti-Semitism. And it's at the all-time high. It was at an all-time high last year, and now it's at an all-time high this year. And it's becoming global. Now, you might want to say, why is that? Well, it's the idea is the further away you get from the Bible... The further away you get from Jesus and, and God, the more anti-Semitic you will become. That's just it. The closer you get to Jesus and understand who he is and understand where he comes from, he's Jewish. We're actually practicing a Jewish religion. Did you know that? We're Goyims, we're Gentiles, but we're practicing a Jewish religion. Our Messiah is Jewish. Our book is Jewish. So, for Christians not to understand that means that they're not walking close with God. And that's just, the, that's just the bottom line. How would you not know that Jesus is Jewish? How would you not know that? You've got to be insane not to know that in just simply reading the Gospels. But most Christians don't even know Jesus is Jewish. I know it sounds crazy, right? They have, they have no idea. But that's what Hitler convinced the Germans. The Germans were convinced that Jesus wasn't Jewish. Germany had told them that Jesus was an offshoot of Christ, of, of their, uh, their Germanic uh, gods. 
um, that he was never Jewish, that he, that was a lie, that he was, you know, a German or, a, you know, some type of Norwegian type of individual. It's insane, and yet people believe that. Okay, when you see anti-Semitism, the first thing you have to default into is saying, that's satanic. That's satanic, okay? And that will tell you why, because it won't make any rational sense on a, a regular level. And when you see that, you have to go instantly go, that's the spiritual issue. That's why it's happening. And it's the spirit of Antichrist. Because the spirit of Antichrist, when he comes, he will make a deal with Israel. When Antichrist arrives on the scene, he will be the most pro-Israel guy you could ever imagine. Okay? He'll be there to help them. But it's a lie. It's a, it's a lie he will make a covenant with them to say, I'll be your protector, I'll be your so-called Messiah or whatever. And it's all to get them in a covenant with him so that in the middle of the covenant, he turns on them and goes to wipe every Jew on this planet out in to, to prevent the second coming, okay? So let's pick up where Daniel starts in chapter uh, seven. And he starts talking about what the little horn, the Antichrist will do to them. And it says pretty simply in verse 21, I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Now the saints in context here cannot be church saints. He's talking about Israel. This is another point of why the church is not in the tribulation. It is all about Israel. So the saints here refer to Israel because that's who Daniel's talking about. He's talking about Israel. And he's prevailing against them. And, he, and it says in verse 25, he shall persecute the saints of the most high. Again, referring to Israel. Now, here's another interesting passage that he talks about. And he adds this and says why he's doing this. There's something else that, he, that happens. And he, or and shall, this is the Antichrist, shall intend, and I, I wanted to show you the Hebrew in this so you understand this, to change times and laws. People who interpret Daniel, they, they don't understand what he's talking about because they don't understand Hebrew. And they say, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna, it's gonna be like the French Revolution where they wanted to make a 10-day work week or you know, they're gonna change the seasons and Christmas is gonna be in June and, and he's gonna do things like that or change the 24-hour day. It has nothing to do with that because the Hebrew is so definite, you have to go to the Hebrew and it tells you exactly what he's going to do. When you look at the Hebrew, shall intend to change times and laws. First of all, he shall intend in, in Hebrew is savar, uh, savar. And savar means to think, to try, or intend to do this. He is going to intend to change something about Israel. That's the context. And the times, change times, it's not your 24-hour clock. It, it's in Hebrew is zaman, zaman which refers to religious days. So if we're talking about Israel, we're talking about their feast days. And the law is not like the U.S. Constitution or international law or that, like that. The Hebrew is doth, doth, which means a religious law. Oh, a religious law. In referring to who? Israel's religious law. And he will basically deny Israel their religious liberty. So he will try to intend to change the feasts of Israel. You have the four uh, uh, fall feasts and then you have the three uh, spring feasts. You have Hanukkah, Purim, all these other holidays, right? And he's gonna try to upend that. And then he's basically gonna try to change the Mosaic law is really what he's gonna go after, okay? So that's what that means. Now, we know when he does this, he does it at the midpoint of the tribulation. I gave you a handout. We'll look at that in just a bit. But I wanted to explain this. This is what he does. He changes Israel's uh, uh, seasons and laws religiously. Now, here's what I, another I want to point to, another warning about this. This is in 1 John 2.18. And... and First John 2.18 says, little children, it is the last hour. We truly are living in the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, true. Even now, many, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. 
So what John is trying to say is, look, we know the big guy's coming, but along the way, as we're in these last days, you will see many antichrists, little antichrists, little a antichrists. They will prefigure the final one and they're false teachers or they're just people in our society like uh, Yavel Noah Harari or Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates or Obama or Joe Biden or any, any of these world leaders, uh, Xi Ping and, and Rocket Man and Vladimir Putin and Macron and all these people, okay? When you look at them, they are little antichrists, little antichrists, and why? Because if you go back to what the Antichrist will do with Israel, changing religious festivals and changing biblical law, then what should you expect from the little Antichrists? They will attack the Bible. They will attack the law of God. They will attack its precepts, principles, everything. And so when you see someone like Joe Biden, as an example, or it could be Gavin Newsom or Macron or any of these people, Nuval Harari. Notice what they're intending to change. They're intending to change the holiday seasons. They're intending to change the law of God. Notice that they don't call Christmas Christmas anymore. It's like, you know, a winter festival or something. They don't want to say, you know, Merry Christmas. That sounds shallow, but that's the spirit of Antichrist, right? And, and the real issue is changing laws, the religious laws. Are we still under law? We're not under the Mosaic law. We're under the, uh, the law of the Messiah now. And there's 1,200 laws under the Messiah. Law never saves you, but law is meant to guide your life and how to live. And under the Messiah, there's 1,200 laws. We're under the law of the Messiah, not the law of Moses. The law of Moses is now rendered inoperative, and it was rendered inoperative at the cross. So there are 1,200 laws we obey. One of the laws is we come on Sunday or whenever the church decides to meet and we gather together. That's a law. That do not forsake the gathering of yourselves as some are in the habit of doing so. That's a law. That's, a, that's an act of obedience, right? To come on to church on Sunday morning or whatever. That's a law. Not that it saves us, but you understand what I'm trying to say. The Antichrist will try to change all the Messiah's laws. Okay? And starting with the little Antichrist. So what do I mean? For instance, we believe abortion is wrong. And because the law of the Messiah preserves life, right? So the, the law of Messiah preserves life, but the little Antichrist that run Planned Parenthood or wherever, the little Antichrist, and just like this guy, this gal's husband is a little Antichrist, is going against the law of God. So this pregnant woman is set on fire by her husband because she refused to get an abortion. That's antichrist. That's the spirit of antichrist, right? That's what we're seeing in our country. I think this woman is Muslim, but nonetheless, the Islamic religion is, is antichrist. How do I know? Just read the Quran. Or how about go to the Al-Aqsa mosque on the top of the temple mount and it says that God has no son. That's the spirit of antichrist. So this Islamic religion that they practice is the spirit of Antichrist. It's easy. How about this? This is a good story. But it's, it, the spirit of Antichrist didn't win on this one. This little baby was born at 23 weeks. And it was born premature. And they thought it was dead. And so they put it in uh, the morgue and put it in a freezer well, the, again, they weren't being evil or anything. They just really thought the baby was dead. And six hours later, they heard the baby crying in the morgue. And so they went there and this baby was alive at 22 weeks or 23 weeks. And the doctors and the morgue, oh my goodness, they, it was a huge mistake, but they thought it was dead. So it wasn't evil, any evil intent. They got it, they, they put it back into the hospital and they're nursing it back. I, I, I don't know where it's at. The story just came out just a few days ago. But, but what's the point? This baby is able to survive 23 weeks outside of the womb on its own for six hours. Isn't that amazing? 
but I think that's a sign of what God's telling people who want to murder babies. The, the article notes that the survival rate for extremely premature babies has doubled over the past decade, prompting the creation of a new guidance allowing doctors to save babies born as early as 22 weeks into pregnancy. That's amazing. But, but the abortion mill wants to kill those babies, but God is so, showing you, even if it's at 22 weeks, it can survive. What does that say, right? So that's why we're so pro-life is because God is proving himself. No, these are human beings in these these mother's wombs. We don't do things like that. And he proved it by having the baby survive. But the spirit of Antichrist is working to kill. That's what the globalist agenda is, to depopulate. Did you know that? It's to depopulate. I, I talked about eating bugs last week, right? That's no joke, man. I got more and more things uh, I read this week. And you know what? Like I said last week, the bugs have parasites on them and they have chitosins on them. We can't digest chitosins. We'll get sick. It'll poison us. Oh, I get, that's what they want. Now watch this. Joe Biden promises to ban assault weapons to codify Roe v. Wade if Democrats keep control of Congress. Now, again, why, why would he go after that? You say, well, Brandon, you're just being political. You just like guns. It's not that. It's not that at all. The Bible morally tells me I can carry weapons. The Bible tells me that. So it is antichrist spirit to take away weapons. And why would the antichrist want to take away your weapons? To control you and kill you so you couldn't rise up against the tyrannical government that you now are seeing happen. But that's, that's not a political issue. That is a moral issue. The Second Amendment actually is a biblical moral issue that can be traced right to the Bible. Why do you th- Where did Peter get his sword? Remember, he was going to slice Malchus's head in half. And Malchus must have moved to the side because he got his ear. But Peter was going to cut his head in half. That's really what Peter was trying to do. It says Peter drew his sword. Where did he get a sword? Because Peter is armed and so are all the apostles. That's what they don't tell you. They're armed. Peter drew his own sword to cleave Malchus and split his head in half. Oh, so in the first century, it was legal to carry a sword. So when you see people go after the second amendment, it's not a political issue. It's a moral antichrist issue that they want to take away. How about this? Mark Zuckerberg admits they, they, uh, they censored Hunter Biden's story based on a request from the FBI, election misinformation. Listen to him. How do you guys handle things when they're uh, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New yeah, York we Post. Have that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of, um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And but you are. for the, I think it was five or seven days when it was basically being, um, being determined whether it was false, um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. You could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution is decreased, and it, it got shared. It, how does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less. So fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issue. So depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much. But right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which 
you know, I still view as a legitimate institution no. in this country. It's a very professional no. law enforcement. No. They no. come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it, was, it basically fit the pattern. Okay, he just told you what they do at Facebook. The FBI comes to him, shut down the story. He just told you, we shut down the story. We, t- we see the FBI is credible. I don't see the FBI as credible. They have lost all credibility. As far as I'm concerned, they're part of the KGB. But here's the thing. It's anti-biblical it, to shut down free speech. Free speech, the, the, the concept comes from the Bible, by the way, where Paul says we speak freely. Okay, that's where the concept of free speech comes from. So it's a moral issue. So when he does this and he shuts down free speech on, on Facebook, that's antichrist. That's antichrist to shut down free speech. And as you know, the new movement now is, well, we, people will say, we believe in free speech. We're just against hate speech. I'm sorry, that's not the definition of free speech. Free speech means I have to accept anything someone says. A Satanist, I have to accept what a Satanist says. So the concept is a moral issue, not a political issue. But that's Antichrist. Boston Children's Hospital. Children know they are trans the minute they were born. If, that, if, that, if that's not Antichrist, I don't know what is. Right? What, what imbecile says things like this? An Antichrist spirit, that's why. It's an antichrist spirit controlling the people who are involved in this. It's a very dangerous thing that they're doing, tampering with kids like that. Scientific America claims Western science made up of two sexes in order to reinforce gender and racial divisions. Used to be respected that uh, science journals and medical were respected. Can't respect them anymore. They're not even going. They're they're just saying, oh, this was just, you know, the, the patriarchy saying there's just two genders. You know, it's biblical. So again, Antichrist is lawlessness. He comes against God. That's lawlessness. That's Antichrist. Uh, California Governor Newsom signs executive order phasing out gasoline vehicles by 2035. That's Antichrist. How so? Freedom of movement. We have the ability to share the gospel anywhere we should be able to, and we should be able to go anywhere, okay? So when someone restricts our movement, that prevents us from doing the great commission, then that's a moral issue. When he does that, that's the spirit of antichrist because he prevents us from moving, doing anything. Because what happens, they're gonna, they're gonna induce us quicker, but what happens if you can't afford an electric vehicle and they outlaw gasoline or whatever, or they make it so high you can't afford it, so now you can't come to church because you can't drive to church. You see what I'm saying? It, it leads into more things. It's an immoral issue. It's the spirit of Antichrist. Okay. I show you that as an example to the spirit of Antichrist is working. But let's go back to the text and see what else he does. Then the saints, the Jews, and Gentiles in the tribulation, okay? But primarily, Daniel's focusing on the Jews, shall be given into his hand for a time and a times and a half time. That's basically the last half of the, of the tribulation uh, for three and a half years, prophetic years. And, and so on your chart, I gave you this chart and I'm not gonna go through all of this. I just wanted to show you when this happens. So basically what Daniel is stating, we now know from a chronological order from the book of Revelation that this happens at the midpoint of the tribulation where he attacks the Jews and he turns on them. So you can see all the things in the middle of the tribulation. You have a second world war, a wide world, a world war happen. You have Antichrist is killed in that war. Satan is cast down to earth because he tries to assault God and take his throne once again. And Michael keeps him out. Um, the resurrection of the Antichrist happens. The three kings and seven submit to him. You have the destruction of ecclesiastical Babylon. Then you have the death of the two witnesses. You, the worship of the Antichrist begins. The false prophet and the mark of the beast is issued at the three and a half year mark. The abomination of desolation is set up in the temple. And then he starts his worldwide persecution of the Jews that I have highlighted in yellow. 
So that will be the last half of the tribulation. The first half of the tribulation, he's their buddy. He's protecting Israel. And then he turns on them. And that's when really things get really messed up. And so you can study that on your own, but you can see there's a lot of activities that happen at the midpoint of the tribulation that initiate his persecution of Israel. Now I'm gonna jump to Revelation and the Revelation gives us more information. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Now don't believe what the Catholics say. The Catholics say this is Mary. That's a lie. Apparently they don't understand Joseph's dream. When you read this, this should hearken back in your minds about the dream Joseph had. And that dream is about Israel. The woman is Israel. She's clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, which harkens back to Joseph's dream. And on her head, a garland of how many stars? 12. How many tribes? 12. She represents Israel. Okay? So when Revelation's talking about this, again, it identifies the nation of Israel. Okay. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. This is talking about the Messiah being born, okay? It's not a reference to Mary. It's that Messiah comes from Israel, right? He's Jewish. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven diadems on his head. Now, this is a reference to the beast system in the future, so in this passage, he's going all the way back to the past and he's bringing it into the future. And so this is the beast system in the tribulation, okay? So John brings you to the tribulation period. And, that, and if you notice, seven heads and 10 horns, I can't go into all detail about that, but that tells the reader that you're at the midpoint of the tribulation, okay? And his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. Now, some people will interpret this as, well, a third of the angels fell with Satan. But if you look in context, what's happening is this came, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and he threw them to the earth. This comes in context of the midpoint of the tribulation, okay? That all hell is breaking loose at this point in time. So all the fallen angels, all demons are now sent to destroy Israel in these last three and a half years. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. Now, again, it's an interpretation. Uh, you know, you could say it, it's, it's a third of the angels fell with him, or you can say it happens in the tribulation. Um, so there's debate. I, I just don't want to be dogmatic on that. And so anyway, the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. That's a reference to uh, what Herod did in trying to kill the, the, uh, the child, the infant, when he was born in Bethlehem, remember that? She bore a male child who was, was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's a messianic reference. And her child was caught up to, he, uh, to God and his throne. That's talking about the ascension after the resurrection. Then the woman fled, now we're going future. Now the woman fled into the wilderness where she had been, has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So it's telling you that this woman is going to run from the beast system and the Antichrist into the wilderness and she's gonna be taken care of in the last half of the, the tribulation period. Okay, so what is this place? Where is this place? What has been prepared by God to help Israel? Well, continue to read. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found them in heaven any longer. So Satan will mount another attack on heaven at the midpoint of the tribulation. He will try to take God's throne, but Michael, the archangel with his bands of warriors will fight against Satan and finally permanently cast him and all demons and fallen angels out of heaven. And there, at that point, Satan is constricted and confined to planet Earth at that point in time. Um, right now, Satan has access to God. He can go before God, discuss things with God, just like he did with Job. He still has full access. But when he does this, he is, he is totally eliminated from heaven ever again. And he's cast down. 
And so the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So every, all the fallen angels were with him, okay? Cast to the earth. Now the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth. And so what does he do? He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, Israel. But the, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that implies swiftness in their movement, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and notice where she's going to the wilderness and at times and a half time, three and a half years from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. That is a reference to a military invasion to where they're at. Okay, so Antichrist mounts his armies, he attacks Jerusalem and then goes after the remnant. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, the, the armies of the Antichrist, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So notice how the earth is helping the woman. The earth opens up. Maybe the earth opens up and it swallows the Antichrist army or maybe it's a reference to where the place of refuge is for the Jews. The earth is going to help them. Okay, they're gonna be in the wilderness. And the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now what happened is Israel gets split up in two groups. One stays in Jerusalem, the other goes into the wilderness. And so now Israel is split up. He tries to attack the group in the wilderness and he's unsuccessful because the earth helps them. So he goes back to Jerusalem to finish off the group in Jerusalem. So that's how, that's how do you understand the interpretation of this passage. Israel is split in two at this point in time, okay? So Jesus warns about this in the Olivet Discourse. And he says this, when you see the abomination of desolation, that's when the Antichrist proclaims himself to be God in the temple, right? Spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, reads let him understand then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now he's, he's saying it's a wilderness, but it's mountains now. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may be in, the, be in winter or on the Sabbath. Notice what it says, in the Sabbath and winter. That is not a reference to the church running away from the Antichrist in the tribulation. It's a reference to Israel because it's a reference to the Sabbath and it's a reference to the winter time. Now, why is the winter uh, important here? Because in Israel, they don't build bridges. What Israel does is they actually build the roads right into the river. And so most of the time, their land is dry. There's only a, a rainy season during the winter time. The most of the pine is dry. And you, you, you go right through those ro roads and the wadis and the rivers, and then they'll overflow in the spring, uh, sorry, in the winter time with the rainy season, but they don't build bridges. The roads actually go through the rivers. That's why Messiah is projecting 2000 years into the future because he knows Israel won't build bridges over rivers. So pray that your escape from the Antichrist in Jerusalem is not gonna be in the wintertime because you won't be able to cross the roads. And then he says, "Don't pray, and pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath. Why? Why is that important? Because you have to know Israel. You have to know modern times Israel to understand what Jesus is saying. He, the disciples have no clue what he's talking about. They know about the Sabbath, but they don't understand that he's projecting out a prophecy 2,000 years ahead of time. And he's saying, make sure it doesn't happen. Pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath. Why? Because today, to this very day in Israel, as they have rebuilt their cities and rebuilt their country, nothing of public transportation, cabs, buses, anything moves on the Sabbath. They are all shut down on the Sabbath. So if Antichrist causes the abomination desolation and Jesus tells them to run out of there, don't get your cloak, just start running. Get out of there. Pray it doesn't happen on the Sabbath because you will not be able to get public transportation out of there. You will have to actually walk and run to the place I have prepared for you. So this is very, very Jewish, but it's very modern Jewish in the interpretation. 
And pray that your flight may not be in the winter Sabbath, for there shall be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. So worst time in history for Israel. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. He's talking about Israel. And he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about physically being alive. But for the elect's sake, who is the elect? The elect is Israel. Israel is the chosen people of God. Those days will be shortened. And we know the days are shortened by three, three, uh, three and a half years. Otherwise, all of Israel will be completely wiped out because of the Antichrist. But where is this place of refuge? What has is, what is God prepared for them? Well, we have clues, so let's do some deciphering. First, we, say, we see that it's in the mountains. Messiah says it's in the mountains. We see from Isaiah 33, 16 that, that he notes it's in the mountains. Second thing, it's in the wilderness. So it's in the wilderness and it's in mountains. Revelation 12, we saw, just read that 6 and 14. The third clue, it's prepared by God in advance, according to Isaiah. God already prepared this place for them. Right now, it's prepared for them right now. It's prepared right now for them, and God did that for them. How? Well, we'll talk about it. Israel's remnant will dwell in the mountains when they're there. Israel's remnant will be protected by the fortresses of rocks. So Isaiah talks about it being a fortress of rocks. So the idea is it's very defensible, militarily-wise. Another clue, Israel's remnant will be given bread by the Lord. This is perhaps a hint um, that manna will return to help Israel as they're in this place. So the return of the manna is very possible. Uh, the return of water will be for them too. The place that they're at, God will miraculously allow water to come to them just like when Moses split the rock to help them. So maybe manna and water just as they had in the wilderness, in the desert with Moses during the wandering years. The Antichrist, here's another clue, will not control Jordan. I know this sounds bizarre, but when you read Daniel chapter 11, the one place on planet earth that he cannot control is right next to him in Jordan. Does that sound strange? Remember I told you God goes ahead and prepares. The one place he can't get control of is Jordan of all places. Isn't that weird? Spiritual. Another clue, Messiah returns from Basra after defeating the Antichrist and his armies. The first place that J Jesus comes in the second coming is not the, the uh, Mount of Olives. That's the victory ascent. The first G place Jesus goes is to Basra. Basra? That's the first. He never touches the ground, but he, that's the first place he goes. He only touches the ground when he makes his victory ascent up to the Mount of Olives. So what happens in Basra? That's where the Antichrist is trying to destroy the remnant of Israel. So he comes there to free them and then he makes his way up to Jerusalem and free the second group in Jerusalem. But he first starts with Basra. You know why? Because they were obedient to him. When they saw the abomination of desolation, they went to the very place he told them to go. And so he rescues them first. So now we have a clue. Oh, so let's put this all together. It will be in Basra and the region where Basra is at is Mount Seir, which is the western side of ancient Edom, according to Micah 2.12. So we got our clues now, and we put them all together, and guess where you end up at? Modern-day Jordan, southern Jordan, in Petra. That's the location that God has prepared for them. This is what it looks like. Notice the wilderness, and notice the mountains. Notice how defensible it would be if you're hiding in those mountains. There's not people that, there's no army that can come in there and get you. This is how you get into the place. Notice, you can only get in by walking or on camel or a horse. You're not driving a tank in there. You're not driving any military craft to get into that place. This is how narrow it is to get into this place. And by the way, there's an Indiana Jones gift shop, by the way, when you go there. Do you remember that they filmed the last crusade there, right? Uh, I'm sorry, what, what, yeah, it was the last crusade, right? Yeah, the third one. Uh, they filmed it there, so you go there. They changed their, their sign. It used to say Indiana Joins. They didn't know how to spell jo Jones, and they spelled it J-O-I-N-E-S. <laughs> it was like, not Joins, it's Jones. So they changed the name. They got it right, so there's a gift shop before you go in there. Anyway, this is how you walk in there. 
Notice that you can't get a tank or anything in there. Look at the high walls. This is how you walk into the place of Petra. Do you see how military defensible it is? I don't care what army you have, they're not getting in this place. It's like the 300 that fought off uh, the Persians. They, 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 they got them in a very narrow passage and they could hold them off for a long time in a very narrow passage, remember that? Well, that's exactly what Israel has a narrow path. You can't get in. Once you get in, notice the name of the place is Petra today, but the ancient name is Basra. Do you know what Basra means? Basra means sheep pen. Because when you go through, you have to go through a narrow gate. And then once you get in, it opens up and you're surrounded by a pen of mountains. So it's a natural sheepfold for people. Remember I told you it was prepared. This is what it looks like on the ground. This is the sheep pen. Notice how the rocks are all around in defense. And that's how they get in. There's, and then these are the caves. Caves are, people used to live in them. So this is enough place for people to live in. At, at, the, at, at Petra's height, when the Edomites lived there, about 30,000 people were living there at the time. Amphitheater, everything. But all the places to hide are in the rocks. And by the way, this place is full of earthquakes. And, and the genius by the Nabataeans by building these buildings into the rocks is that the, the buildings are not affected by, by uh, the earthquakes. Because if they were freestanding, they would be knocked over by the earthquakes. But the Nabataeans built their buildings right into the rocks and the earthquakes don't affect them. It has been prepared. There's a library. Some of the freestanding structures. Watch this. Israel will be there one day. They will go through here to hide from the Antichrist. They will run here. That's the place God has prepared for Israel. Isn't that amazing? Amen. 
God takes care of his people. Now, here's a principle before we leave. The principle, and I'll give you the application, is this. Do not fear. God will protect and care for you at the place he has provided. That's the the principle I'm deriving. He provides a place for Israel in the future. And right now, no matter what's happening to us, he is providing a place for us. Now, it may not be a, a Petra where we're going into the wilderness, but wherever we're going right now as a society, and there's a lot of crazy antichrist stuff happening, there is safety in the place he has prepared for you. That's the point. Okay, so what's the application then? Well, that's the principle. The application is this. You must get to the place. Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation, flee into the the wilderness, follow all the cues, and it will tell you where to go. Petra, Israel, go. Go to Petra. I have prepared it for you. I will give you manna. I will give you water and sustain you until I come back. Go to the place. Because the other group doesn't. Half of Israel stays in Jerusalem and they don't go into the desert where they were supposed to go according to the Messiah. And they stay in Israel, uh, sorry, Jerusalem. And you know what? After he tries to chase Petra and he can't get them down because the place is so defensible, he can't attack them. He turns right back and he goes to Jerusalem to kill the rest of the Jews in Jerusalem. And for three and a half years... Those Jews have to fight the Antichrist for three and a half years. His armies come in and rape their women. There's house-to-house fighting, and there's looting and everything, and that goes on for three and a half years. What group would you rather be in? Now, they're both remnant groups, but one group says, I'm obeying the Messiah, I'm going to go out to the desert. The other group says, no, we're going to fight the Antichrist. I think I would be in Petra rather than fighting with the Antichrist and having my wife raped by the Antichrist army. So the issue is you have to get to the place. What place? What place is he, is he provided for you? What place is this? Well, the way you're gonna find the place is by faith and obedience. When he told them, when you see this, the abomination of desolation, flee into the desert. He told them specifically where to go. So what you have to do to find that place where you're gonna be provided for in the days ahead is that you have to have faith and obedience, okay, in the Lord's warnings from his word. Notice Messiah's word to Israel was a warning, a warning, okay? And he goes, and it's, it's located with biblical prophecy. So prophecy is a warning many times that this is getting ready to happen, okay? or in his personal conviction. So let me explain uh, the, the first one. Prophecy is not meant to scare you. It is meant to prepare you. It is telling you what's coming. And so to find the place is you obey the prophecies. Okay, that's gonna happen. I need to do this with my life. That's gonna happen. I need to do this with my life. They're gonna make me eat bugs. Okay, I need to do this with my life, Right? prophecy helps you navigate to the place of Petra. That's why so many Christians will be lost in things ahead of us because they don't know how to navigate to Petra. Because they don't know prophecy and they don't know the warnings of prophecy of what's gonna go down and they will get caught up in it. That's the problem. That's the problem. Now, personal conviction, that's the other aspect. That God works sometimes in personal conviction. And this is how you have to deal with personal conviction. God will tell you to do something, but then you have to verify it. Okay? You have to verify. Just don't go on, well, my gut's telling me this. Yeah, I get it. Listen to your conviction, but then verify it. And God will prove to you that he did tell you to do something by verification. Don't just simply act on gut instinct. If it's conviction, verify it, verify it, and then you will find the place of Petra. That Petra is for every one of us. If he does that for Israel, he'll do it for you. That's the whole point. And in the days ahead, you're gonna have to find Petra. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we can learn through your scriptures and through your warnings for Israel and even now for us as we see the days darkening. We see the spirit of Antichrist around us, Father. 
And we want to know how to navigate to that place that you have provided where manna is given, where water is given, and provision is given, and protection is given. And so I pray, Father, that you would lead us to that. Help us to be faithful and obedient to your warnings in Scripture, to listen to your convictions of what we need to do as you guide us through these crazy times. And I pray if there's someone that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that we come to faith in him today. Place their faith in him. Understand he died on a cross for their sins, was buried and rose on the third day, and gives everlasting life to anyone who will believe. We pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's Word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.